time we talked about uh, the nature of Jesus and who Jesus is and kind of a theology of Jesus and why he came to earth and that Jesus, that, that uh, the, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Come on. And uh, we talked about that, about Jesus being the truth and Jesus being the life and that Jesus is the only way. Just the nature of Jesus and the incarnation and how powerful it was when Jesus walked on the earth. And then we uh, moved into the next week and we talked about Jesus is, is being intimate and talked about life behind the veil and what's it like to live life behind the veil and, and that Jesus is our lover and he is lifting the veil and he's coming in uh, to fellowship with us. Come on, are you with me? And then Eli came and uh, shared an incredible word on gazing and just talking about gazing at Jesus. And then last week we talked about Jesus, the passionate lover. And we talked about how that Jesus is going to love us passionately uh, with zeal sold out love for us forever. Come on, that Jesus is really like crazy, jealous, zealous, furious lover of our soul, and he is after us. That's what we talked about last week. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about the affections of Jesus. Are you with me? Uh, how many of you know that you can be a lover, but a good lover is affectionate, right? If uh, if I told you that, hey, uh, Leslie and I, we've been married for 10 years. We just celebrated 10 years. Woo-woo. And so uh, if I told you, yeah, we don't, ever, we don't ever touch one another. We don't ever kiss one another. We don't ever give each other gifts. We don't ever tell each other affirming words. We don't ever do any of those kind of things. You probably question our love for one another. And I think a lot of times that people question the love of God for them is because they're never experiencing God's affections. Come on, are you with me? One of the reasons why Jesus came is to to show us how affectionate God is. Right? Because everybody kind of thought that the demonstration of God was just anger and fury and frustration. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Grace and truth. This is who God is. Let me show you what affection looks like. And so Jesus came. And he, and he walked the earth and he showed us what affection looks like through signs, miracles, wonders, through loving the unlovable. This was the affection of God on humanity that Jesus came to win us. Come on, are you with me? He came because he was wooing us and he was wanting us. And uh, Ephesians chapter 3, our, our text for this series, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16, I pray, Paul praying, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, or your inner man, some translations say, that God is empowering you by his spirit inside of you, the core of who you are, so that Christ may dwell. Everybody say live. Dwell means that that Jesus may live there, that he will will set up residence, that he will come, that they'll they'll be active, that there'll be functionality of Jesus in your life. Come on. How many know that Jesus is the dweller of our hearts? He's not a visitor, right? We're not the hotel of God. Come on. We're the temple of God. And so Jesus came to make permanent residency in your heart and in your life. He didn't come just so you, you, you could come on Sundays and do something in your life. No, he came permanent residence in your heart, that he came to live there in your life. Come on, are you with me? Permanently and uh, forever. And so uh, this is what Paul is praying. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp. How many of you know it takes love to love? So he's saying that you will be rooted and established in love, so you may have power together with all the saints to grasp love, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love surpasses knowledge. How many know that love surpasses knowledge, but we're also supposed to grasp it? We're also supposed to have an insight to it. We're also supposed to have an understanding of it. But because it's so long and so deep, it's a journey of understanding. It's like I learn a little bit, and then I learn a little bit more. 
or I learn a lot and then I learn a little bit or I learn a little bit and then I learn a lot. But I'm always growing in my revelation of the love of Jesus because it is ever expanding. It's exponential. And to know that his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled Love this. We talked about this a lot in our capacity series that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so we are, Paul is praying here is that we would be, we would have the capacity to be full of God's fullness. That's a lot of, a lot of fullness. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm a big dude and I have a lot of, there's a lot of fullness in me, you know, about 215 pounds or so. That's a lot of fullness. God's got a lot more fullness than I got. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And he wants to fill my fullness with his fullness. And he wants to fill your fullness with his fullness. And uh, so when we talk about Jesus being affection, what does affection look like? How many of y'all have ever heard of, they have this teaching called the five love languages. Have y'all heard of that? The five love languages, and they're like words of affirmation, uh, giving gifts, words of encouragement, acts of service, quality time, right? These are love languages, and most of us, we function, you know, out of these love languages. Like, some of us are like words of affirmation, like, man, nothing sets us off, like words of affirmation, like, oh, you, somebody says something positive to you, and you just feel so loved, and you can feel like you can conquer the world, right? Because someone said something encouraging to you, or some of you, it's like giving gifts, like, Someone can give you like a peanut. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, they gave me a peanut. I just feel so ravished. My heart is so moved. They thought of it, right? And when you show love, you do those things. You, you're a gift giver. Or some of us are quality time. It's like, well, you give me gifts and you tell me you love me, but we don't ever spend any time together. And we're like, we spent like 30 hours together last week alone. Nobody else around. And you're like, but I just don't feel like you, right? It's like, this is an ending well of, of, uh, of, of affection that, that we are desiring. So we all have these, these expressions, and, and it's funny how we're different, and we all kind of, you know, love uh, people through these ways, and, and we experience love uh, through these ways. They're just expressions that make us feel love. But how many you know that these are just expressions of of the affections of our heart. They're saying, hey, listen, this is the way I feel about you, so I'm going to say this to you. This is the way I feel about you, so I want to be around you. This is the way I feel about you, so I'm going to give you gifts. This is the way I feel about you, so I'm going to serve you. Is there anything I can do? You know, sometimes when people say that, they're not saying, is there anything I can do for you? They're saying, I love you. Come on, are you with me? That's their love language. That's how they're communicating this is their affections, right? The other one is physical touch. I'm real, like, touchy-feely. Uh, we had a guy uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and uh, we hadn't seen him in a while. He's in the military. Did I share the story already on Sunday? And uh, we, we went to eat at Spring Creek Barbecue, and I hadn't seen him. He's in the military, and he's gone for a couple of weeks, and they had a big kids deal there. And, uh, and I went up to him, and I was like, hey, man, how's it going? Good to see you. And I'm all like, I'm pretty touchy, you know. So I was like, hey, man, it's so good. You know, I'm like rubbing on his shoulder. and Like, I don't know the guy very well. I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm like, oh, first stop that, you know. But I was, just, I was just expressing some affection to him, you know. And I was like, man, it's a good thing I'm married. This guy might get the wrong idea. And uh, so, you know, I, 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 so we saw him. They came that Sunday, and I was like, oh, man. I was like, uh, I, was like I felt a little awkward after, like, you know, because I was like, I'm just real touchy-feely. I hope I didn't make you feel awkward. He's like, oh, no, man, it's all good. And so we hugged it out, and it was, it was good. And so we, we all have expressions of our love, and that's what we call affection, right? When we express our love. Well, Jesus kind of has five love languages. Well, he has more than five langu- love languages, but I'm going to talk about five love languages that Jesus has this morning. Five uh, affections of Jesus. Five things that Jesus does in our lives because he loves us. Come on, are you with us? 
Are you with me? The first thing that Jesus does, loves to do is he loves to connect with us. He loves connection. Come on, are you guys with me? He loves connecting with us. He, his favorite part of the service isn't the preaching. As much as I hate to say that, his favorite part of the service isn't the preaching. His favorite part of the service is worship. It's whenever, because that is a moment whenever we come and we can connect with him and we can sing songs and we're like, oh, we love you, we'll never stop. And we're singing that and he's like, oh yeah, don't ever stop. Like he's in heaven, he's like, angels, come over here, check this out. Look, look how much they love me. I mean, they've had a hard week and look, they're still pressing in. I mean, that ravishes his heart. Whenever we connect with him, whenever we spend time with him, Jesus loves that. His heart is moved whenever we respond to his drawing, whenever he's drawing us and he's saying, hey, why don't you spend a little bit of time with me? Whenever we respond to that, because how many know it's always his idea? Like connecting with Jesus is always his idea. But Whenever we respond to that connection, oh, it sets him off. Because he's a lover. Right? He's a lover. And so he responds well to love. Come on, are you with me? Love moves him. Now listen, his love is absolute. It is unconditional. But whenever we respond to Jesus, it does something to his heart. Song of Solomon, which we've been spending a lot of time in this series, chapter 4, verse 9, it says, you have ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glimpse of your eye. One translation, well, it says, one, one says, you, you have stolen my heart. This one says, you have ravished my heart. So when, when we look at Jesus, when we glimpse at him, when we gaze, like Eli talked about several weeks ago, when we just look at him, when we focus him, when we set our affections on him, it moves his heart in such a way that he can't resist us. And uh, some people say, well, you know, how, 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 do, I, how do I connect with God? I just, I'm just not feeling like a good connection with God. Like I come to service and, and I'm, just not, I'm just not being connected. How do I connect with God? There's one way that you connect with God. There's one way you connect with Jesus. You invite him. You just invite him, just like we were singing, right? Come in, we invite you. We invite you. Would you come? Would you come interrupt my thinking? Would you come and interrupt my Facebook chat? Would you come? Would you just do something in my heart? And you know what? What I've, what I've discovered is my, in my life is that Jesus cannot resist an invite. He cannot resist an invite. He cannot resist an invite. He, he, he loves to, to show up and invade every situation. You know, when, you, when you're frustrated at work, Jesus can't resist the invite. When you're frustrated with your kids, raising your kids, and they're getting on your nerves, and you feel out of control, Jesus cannot resist the invite. But what we like to do with the Holy Spirit is we just kind of like to ignore him during those situations, right? Just leave me alone. Let me be who I am. But listen, I believe that when we invite Jesus into the situation, we say, Lord, would you just show up? Would you do something? He cannot resist the invite. He loves to show up and invade every situation and transform any atmosphere with steadfast, unrelenting love. This is what he likes to do. He just likes to show up and go, this is how much I love you. This is how much I desire you. And listen, it doesn't necessarily mean the the results are going to go the way that we want it, but it means that his presence is there with us. 
Are you with me? And we understand that he's, you know, he's, on, he's on, uh, omnipresent. He's everywhere. But listen, there is something about when we invite the Lord into a situation, when we ask the Holy Spirit, there is something about him coming and kissing a moment and transforms the atmosphere. So he loves uh, connecting with us. Number two, Jesus loves, one of his acts of affection, his love languages, is speaking. He loves to talk with us. Did you know that Jesus likes to tell you secrets? That's what lovers do. Lovers, there's, there's things that Leslie knows about me that nobody else in the entire world knows. Why? Because lovers share secrets. Check this out. John chapter 15, verse 15. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. Because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. So all the mysteries, and we see Jesus do this, all the mysteries of heaven, Jesus is going, listen, this is the mystery. Listen, this is, this is the inside information of heaven. Listen, the world does not have, and it's interesting how we have standards for the world, and we expect them to understand the love of God. Listen, it takes God to love God. It takes God to comprehend God's love. And we can't just have this, the world doesn't have the grid that you have because you're in on the secret. You're in on the secret because you're in love with Jesus. Come on, are you with me? And he shares things with those he loves. Are you with me? So a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned. Everything I have learned from my father, I've made known to you. Listen, I know that some of you are like early 20s, but there are things that Jesus knows that you don't know. Right? Come on, man. I remember when I was 19, I knew everything. I mean, I, was so, I wish I could go and have conversations with my not teenager. Because, man, there are so many things I have questions for now in my life that, that I, just, I just don't have an answer for anymore. But, man, it seemed like I had all the answers. You know what I'm saying? I, I, it seems like I call my dad more and ask him questions more now than I ever have in my life. I'm like, Dad, you know, what, 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 what's going on? I mean, you know, the, the wisdom doesn't mean you have all the right answers. It means that you know how to ask all the right questions. Come on. So Jesus knows a whole lot that you don't. And let let me tell you this, that Jesus knows things about you that you don't know. There's things about your life that you don't even know. There's there's ways that you react to things that you don't even know. Things that God is going to reveal by his Holy Spirit in your life that you don't even know right now. But part of the reason why that you have the Holy Spirit in you, because he is an escort to show you things that you don't know. He's the spirit of truth. Come on, are you with me? So there's things that you, so one of the prayers that I pray every day is as I say, Lord, what do you know that I don't know? What do you have that I don't have? What is in your possession, Father, that is not in mine right now that I can have today? This is how you, you will maintain a history of 20 years of being hungry for God. 60 years. I won't be able to say that in 60 years. Another 20 years, I want to be able to say that. God, I'm, I'm as hungry for you as I've ever been. Because I've never got prideful enough to say, I know. I call that the 18 agenda. Listen, if you want to stop growth in your life, just make sure that you use these words a lot. I know. 
you want to stay where you're at in life. I know. Say that a whole lot. I know. I know. Hey, did you? I know. I know. I know. Yeah, we know. And we know. We know you know. Right? <laughs> Jesus knows a whole lot that you don't know. He knows things about you that you don't know. He knows, he knows that there's, there's ways to get you to respond that you don't know about. We're going to do a series, uh, start a couple weeks here called Yes, and we're going to talk about living in that response and saying yes. And we've been talking about Jesus as the lover, but what, what is it like to live in response to him? What does that look like? He knows things about you, and so go to him. There, there's things that you don't even know that you like right now or things that you don't even know that you're good at right now that Jesus wants to reveal to you that you're actually good at. Isn't that crazy? You're going to like, God's going to open a door for you to do something you've never done, and you're going to do it, and you're going to be really good at it, and it's a gift you didn't even know you had. But that's just the way he functions. He likes to get you in on it. He likes to speak to you and show you things. Come on, are you with me? And so, uh, anyway, so he's going to tell you the things that you don't know. John sixteen thirteen. but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. How much truth? All truth. He will guide you. The Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. He will not speak of his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. You want to learn to prophesy? Learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because he knows what's to come. This is why it says uh, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, and then in Acts chapter uh, 2, it says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Well, how will the sons and daughters prophesy? Because the sons and daughters are listening to the Holy Spirit. And they know how to say. Listen, prophesy doesn't necessarily just mean that it's something in the future. It could be something that you need to hear right now. So you need to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit because he is speaking to you. Jesus is speaking through the Holy Spirit into your life so that you will know things about him that you don't know and things that you don't know about yourself that you don't know. So, his affections, he's connecting with us, number two. Speaking to us, number three, revealing things to us. And you guys have heard me say this all the time. I remember when I first came into church, man, you know, in the, in the 90s, and went to this church, very traditional church. I didn't know it was traditional then. I thought it was, they were like pretty cutting edge. Uh, but there was this mindset that was like, you know, you, you, you can't understand God. You, God is, is, is kind of abstract. And God is this mysterious, uh, he loves you and he desires you. And he wants you to live godly and he wants you to be godly. And they, you know, a lot of, a lot of legalism and things. But it was like, there was like this disconnect from, from God. It was like God is, is kind of this man that, that you can't really know anything about. The only thing that you can know is, is, is what someone teaches you or what you can read in, in the Bible, which that's where everything has to be filtered is through Scripture. Come on, are you with me? It can't go against that. But however, Jesus wants to bring to light the Scripture in your life. He wants to make it real, right? It's not just books on a page. I mean, you know, the apostles didn't have that. Come on, are you with me? And so, you know, yeah. I don't want to keep going there, but there's so much bad theology about about God being abstract, abstract, or being distant and unknown, that God is, is kind of hiding. Listen, God is not hiding. The whole reason Jesus came is to reveal the heart of, heart of the Father. And so God is not hiding. Jesus loves us. He wants us to know all about him. He wants to, you know, one of the things that, you know, after you've been married for a little while, uh, Leslie and I had this thing where... Um, 
I, the other day, we just had this experience the other day. I was like, oh, come in here. I want to share something with you. And she came and sat down, and I, was, I, I wanted to tell her a story that I thought I haven't, you know, she's heard all my stories, like, umpteen times. I was like, oh, yeah, I got one. I think I got one that, that I don't have. And I, I told her, I was like, come in here, come in here. And she's like, I'm doing something. I said, no, 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 come here. And I wanted to share a story with her. And I started sharing the story. She's like, yeah. And she finished the story. And I was kind of bummed out because, because she had already heard it. I already told it to her. And, uh, but, but, but the heart of a lover is to say, listen, I want you to know something about me that you don't know. I want to reveal things to you. I want, I want you to know about, about experiences that I've had. I want you to know about, 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 people I've known. I want you to know all the, all the little things and all the little, uh, little parts of my heart that maybe you don't know. I want, I want to get it all out there. You know what I'm saying? And not in an ugly way, but to say, listen, this is my heart. This is who I am. Um, so God is not hiding. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us so he lavished on us the grace of God, the ability to connect with God, not because we deserved it, but because, not because of our goodness, but because of his goodness. This is grace. He lavished on us with grace, with all wisdom, all wisdom and understanding. What is wisdom and understanding? It's revelation. It's things being revealed to us. So one of the ways that God loves on us is by revealing things to us. It's part of his love language. Let me show you this. He has made known to us the mystery of his will. Listen, God is mysterious, but he's not caught up in that. He's not like, hey, I'm over here just kidding. Right? If you just, if you just go on a fast for like eight weeks, then you might discover just a little bit. Right? I just I want to teach you something. So that's the most important thing. Listen, God's biggest agenda for your life isn't to teach you something in the sense of, of through hardship, but to reveal his goodness. He wants you to see his nature. Now, sometimes that requires going through difficulty. Come on. But it, it, it's not, the lesson he's not trying to teach you is, is, is the meanness. You know what I'm saying? And it's almost kind of like we've got this perspective that, that God's just kind of, working on me. He's just, he's just working on me all the time. It's like, he, he is working on you all the time, but it's not with a mean spirit. He's working on you so you can have a better capacity to love him. He's not working on you to, because you're so screwed up, although you are, right? I am, but he's working on you to help you. <sighs> He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. What is that? It's his affection. He's revealing things because he loves you and he, he wants you in on it. Um, this week, a, a couple in our church are not here today, but the Alcaraz uh, family, they invited us over Monday. We went to the stockyard and did some fun stuff with the kids on spring break. And then we were driving home. We were wore out and, and, uh, Eddie called me, Eddie Alcaraz called me and he said, Hey, he said, uh, he said, why don't, why don't you guys come over and for a few minutes and we need some help with some stuff. And his wife just been through surgery. So she needs some things. So we decided to go over to the house and, and you know how it is like before you ever go to somebody's house and you hear the stories that they're telling about their house, they're, uh, they tell the stories and you have a picture in your mind of what their house looks like. 
right? And you think, oh, this is probably what their house looks like. And you have like, man, you have it laid out in your head, right? You, you know what their kitchen looks like. You know, what their, you know what their yard looks like, the front. I mean, it's all in your mind, right? And so when you show up, you're like, this is what it looks like, right? And you're changed forever, your memory of those people. Right now, all of a sudden, you have a point of reference for their life. You have an insight that you didn't have before. And so what Jesus wants to do is he wants to give us an insight, a point of reference into his reality that it transforms our thinking of him. Come on, that we're not like, it's not abstract, like, well, maybe God is, is kind of, he's like, no, 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 I want you to know for sure how it is through experience, through revelation, I'm loving on you to show you what life with me is really like. And so he wants to establish in us a point of reference. He, desi- he desires to establish a sense of knowledge in his realm and his reality. He wants you to know what heaven on earth looks like. He wants to establish that as a point of reference. He wants you to have good experiences. We've kind of like uh, been negative about experience. Well, that's experience, and that already happened, and let's just go for the next thing. But listen, those experiences we have are incredible in our history because now we have a good point of reference. We're not satisfied with those things, but we have a history of those things, and now we have a better point of reference for the next thing. Are you with me? Okay. Check this out. The Spirit was given, and we mentioned this earlier, the Spirit was given uh, to us to be our escort in the deep things of God. The one to come alongside of us and show us things that are deeper than where we're at right now. How many of you know that God wants to take you deeper? Check this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. A lot of reading right here. Are you ready? All right. We do, however, speak a wisdom, a message of wisdom among the mature. Not a, we- not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. Whoa. Careful. Don't read that scripture. We speak of God's secret wisdom. A wisdom that has been hidden and that God has destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, no eye has seen. I've heard this scripture so many times quoted. No eye has seen. We just don't understand the mysteries of God. And we're like blaming God for stuff he didn't even do sometimes. Well, his ways are higher. Listen, I'm not saying you're going to understand every situation, every circumstances or circumstance. His ways are higher. But they're not so lofty that he doesn't want you in on it. This is Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Check. Look right here. However, it is written, no eye has seen. I've heard this scripture quoted. How many of y'all heard this quoted before? No, no eye has seen. Look. Here it is, fulfilled. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it by his spirit. We talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, that the, 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 the seal of our relationship, like, like in a marriage, we wear a ring, right, in America. So the, 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 the symbol of our covenant with Jesus, the seal of our marriage, the thing that, that, that's kind of like, that, that is that binding agent, if you will, of, of our relationship with Jesus, our, our, our love relationship with Jesus, the seal of that is the Spirit. So now that we have the Spirit of God in us, we are able to know some things, Listen, you're not going to know all things. 
Come on, until you're fully known, until you were right there standing before him, and then you're going to be for ages still getting it, right? It's going to take eternity to understand it. But listen, you can't be satisfied with the, with the knowledge that you have now because he's revealing more. No, I see no ears heard, no mind has conceived what God has revealed, but God has revealed it by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. The Spirit searches those things, and you have the Spirit. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Man, that's some good teaching. Not mine, this teaching that I'm reading here. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught, to, uh, taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It takes God to love God. It takes the Spirit to understand the Spirit. This is why pe- people that are unspiritual are critical of you. They're spiritually dull. We're not hating on them. We're just stating, right? This is just reality. So get over it. So you can't expect people that are unspiritual to have spiritual insight. So don't be like talking to the anointing, talking about the anointing to people at work, or they're going to think you're just being annoying. Do you even know what the anointing is? Let's have that conversation. You probably don't. A spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who who knows who knows what God's thinking? But we have the mind of Christ. I mean, I'm just reading the scripture. So God wants to reveal stuff to you. He wants to reveal wisdom. Understanding, revelation, Ephesians chapter one, spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. He wants you to know who he is. It's not just the knowledge of things and end times and, you know, bizarre spiritual. No, no, no. In the knowledge of him, of who he is. That this list that we're talking about of, of affections is just a starter list. You're learning other things this week. You're like, oh, yeah, God, remember when you were loving on me like that? Right? I love on my kids lots of different ways. Right? Sometimes I love on them through hugging them and kissing them and, and tickling them. This week I took Judah. We went and got haircuts together. I loved on him. I was spending time with him. We went to Target. I bought him a Skylander. I was loving on him that way. And sometimes I love on him by pulling his pants down and spanking his butt. Come on. How many know that that's my least favorite way to love on him? Some of us think that that's God's default mode. He's just mad and ticked off at us all the time, so he's always wanting to spank our butt. Right? He's always displeased. He's always frustrated. Listen, that is not God's heart. This leads us into the next point. God is, Jesus is delighting. Delighting. He's, he's happy. He's mostly happy. He's mostly in a good mood. I mean, the world is pretty messed up, but he's still in a good mood because there are still a lot of people that have said yes to Jesus. It's not like in the days of Noah where God could only find one person. 
Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 says, For the Lord your God who is living among you, he is a mighty Savior, and he will take delight in you with gladness. Everybody say, say, God is glad. (laughs) Right? Most of the time you hear God is mad. Right? God is mad. God is mad. God is mad. Listen, I think God gets mad. But God is not mad. It's not his default state. It's not his continual. His continual is he's glad. Does he get mad? Yes. Is he mad that we... We've aborted 50 million babies in America. You bet he's mad about that. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. However, his default state is not anger. He is not mostly frustrated. He's mostly glad. We serve a God of gladness. And so until you can get that, you're going to always feel like that you're, you've got to perform, 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 perform to get God's approval. You don't have to perform to get God's approval. Jesus gave you God's approval. Your approval by God is, is based in Jesus. This is why he came. So you could experience his delight. He is a mighty Savior. He will take great delight in you with gladness, with his love. He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. That word rejoice does not just mean, oh, hey. It means that God is twirling around like a madman in heaven. Rejoice, that's what it means. It means to spin around violently. If you study that word in the Hebrew, that's what God does. He rejoices over us. He enjoys you. He's not mostly annoyed or frustrated by you. Some people are probably annoyed and frustrated by you. People get annoyed and frustrated by me all the time, right, Leslie? (laughs) Yes, exactly. If that was the way he felt about you, Listen, if God was mostly frustrated at you, then why, why would he want you to love him back? Wouldn't he just want you to go away? Wouldn't he just want you to go away if he didn't love you? I mean, you know what I'm saying? If he was frustrated, if you really got on his nerves, like, well, I'll tell you, I don't go out you're probably, like, ticked off at me because I blew it again today. And, you know, I looked where I was supposed to look. And, you know, about that thought about that person. And I cut that guy off in traffic and, you know, kind of, you know what I did, God. You, I know you're mostly frustrated at me. Listen, God isn't mostly frustrated at you. It's not saying that you don't need to leave, live holy and you don't, and you don't need to, you, but you've got to understand that God's heart for you is glad. That is the state it's in. And that's mostly how he feels. You know, the Pharisees, they went to Jesus and they're like, hey, all right, all right, Lord, I got my notes, my notes app open. What's the most important commandment? What do you want us to do? And Jesus is like the greatest one. They're like, yes. <laughs> Love. The Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How many know that they were probably loving God in action? But they were not loving God with heart. They were not loving God with soul. They were not loving God with mind. They were not loving God with strength. So I think the reason why Jesus rebuked them with this command that they were asking for is because they were missing it. It is the command. It's the unchanging command. It's the great command. But let me tell you, the Pharisees wanted duty. What do you want us to do? What do you want all your followers to do, Jesus? And Jesus was like, easy. 
the whole law, the whole prophets, all of it summed up in this love. Love me and love people. But what do you want us to do? Listen, labor can be loveless, but love can never be laborless. Jesus is not looking for workers. He's working for lovers, right? Lovers are good workers. You know how it is when you love your job, even if you go to a job that you hated to make more money, you would still rather be in the job that you're in right now because lovers work better than workers. Lovers work. You can work without love, but you can't love without work. It's called affection, right? So what happens is we kind of develop this mindset. We work real hard. See, God, I love you. See, Lord, what I'm doing for you, right? Can't you see what I'm doing? Can't you see what I'm doing? See, Lord, got my left. Look what I did today, Lord. See how much I love you? Proving my love to you. God wants you to show you, allow those things that you're doing to be acts of affection. That you're doing with a love-filled heart. Listen, we kind of think that if we do things and we hate what we're doing, that, that, that we get kind of rewarded for that. Man, I just, I'm, you know, one of the things that I'm getting real convicted of lately is, is saying the words, I'm busy and I'm tired. And it's like, it's almost kind of like I say those things and I want people to like, give me a pass. How you doing, man? Oh man, I'm busy. Like, I ain't got time for you. Hey, what's up, man? I'm so tired. Like, I've worked harder than you. Like, this has been really hitting me this week. I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm just going, I'm going to cut track with saying those things. So when I say that, you need to tell me, hey, you're tired? No, 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 I'm not too tired. Because when we're saying that, we're saying, I'm, I'm too tired to contribute to this conversation. I'm too busy to make time for you. I'm too busy to do what I'm supposed to do. Listen, there's no merit for misery. There's no merit for being miserable. And we, we think, oh, if I hate it and I still do it, God will reward me more. That is not true. Uh-uh. It is not true. You can do it and hate it. But God would rather you do it and love it. God would rather you love him and just allow that to be a function of love. The other day, um, on Leslie, my, my anniversary, I was on my way to the church. I, I just got through teaching my classes, and I was driving. I was going to come to the church and get some work done, and I was about to exit, uh, take my exit to come to the church. And I was like, oh, I want to do something for Leslie. You know, I mean, it's real easy to just post a little thing on Facebook, but, like, I wanted to do something, like, old school, you know? So I thought, oh, I'll run my Tom Thumb and get her some flowers. So I go in, and I'm, like, looking, you know, for the best flowers. That takes, like, 45 minutes. And, you know, you guys know what I'm saying. Y'all do that all the time, right, guys? Yeah? Okay. So all you guys that are in a relationship. And so I go, and I buy the flowers, and, and, I, and I go, and Leslie thought I was on my way to church, and I walk in the door, and I have flowers for her. And she's like, oh, listen, how many know that I did that because I love her? I didn't do it because she was, like, on the phone going, now, Today, before you go to the church, I want you to stop and get me some flowers. I mean, you know, if she commanded me to do that or asked me to do that and I did that, it wouldn't mean that much to her. But it's where I do it out of a ravished heart, the heart that says, man, you're on my mind. You're on my heart today. I love you so much. I just want to stop and, and, get, and, and do something just a little nice for you. 
I want you to know how much I love you. How many know that she just had a law that I just had to fulfill the law? It wouldn't mean as much to her. So God wants that delight in what we're doing. And God, and I, I said this earlier, but God is more interested on loving on you than teaching you something. And I know that sometimes those things can be the same. I found way more pleasure out of tickling my kids and wrestling with Judah and hugging and kissing on them and, you know, letting them slobber on me a little bit. Like, I get way more pleasure than that than I do spanking their butt. I ain't going to lie. Sometimes that is pleasurable. <laughs> right? I'm just being real. No, actually it's not. It's not really very pleasurable ever. I hate doing it, but I have to. Isaiah 62.5, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so God rejoices, spins violently in a rejoicing excitement over you. And the last thing Jesus is fulfilling you are out this morning? Fulfilling. Listen. Fulfilling. Full filling. Filled with fullness, right? Fulfilling. God wants you fulfilled. Jesus wants one of his love languages is to fulfill things in your life, to fulfill desires, to fulfill promises. How many know that, that, that he wants your love tank full? He wants you to have a full, happy heart. God doesn't want you to be miserable. Contrary to popular belief, God doesn't want you miserable. He wants you holy, but he doesn't want you miserable in the process. Holiness isn't being miserable. There's nothing, there's nothing equating holiness and misery. We, I don't know why we've done that. Well, you just got to be holy. You got to be ugly, and everybody has to dislike you if you're holy. That's stupid. It's not holiness. Holiness is based in wholeness and fullness where you love to do it. Where you don't hate it. Where did we get that it was all about this external thing? If I can do all these things and show all these things that I can do to show how miserable I am for God. God likes that. Where did we get that? Because to me that seems to be the thing that Jesus came to demolish. God wants your love tank full. Jesus wants you full of his love. Psalm 36 verse 7. I love this. This is probably one of my favorite favorites. Right here. You're... How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings, and they are abundantly satisfied. Super satisfied. Not just satisfied, abundantly satisfied. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasure. There is a river in heaven called pleasure. <laughs> right? Another river somewhere called pleasure. And he wants us to drink from that. Right? He don't want you drinking that bitter water. Come on. He wants you drinking of that river called pleasure. Delightful. <laughs> What's well, this funny? Drink from the river, God's pleasure, like a river. Where are you drinking from it? That's maybe why you're laughing. How many know that you function a lot better 
when your love tank's full. You function a lot better with a full heart. You, you, how, how many know that, that Jesus, you know, I, they used to say this thing. They used to say this thing when I, when, I, when I first got saved. They used to say this thing like I would say, oh, man, I, was, I don't think I could ever go to Africa. You better not say that. Right? You guys have ever heard that? Don't say that. God will teach you something and send you there. Why would God want to send you somewhere you don't want to do to go to get you to do something that you don't want to do? Wouldn't it be better because there's probably a million other people would love to do that? Wouldn't it be better for him to get somebody that would actually get energy and they would actually be good at doing that? But God's so interested in teaching me something that he wants everybody else to be miserable too. Well, this is so stupid. It's illogical. Isn't that silly? Oh, you function a lot better with a full heart. Jesus knows how to make you tick. He's not trying to make you be miserable. He wants you to be fulfilled.